How can you not be romantic about baseball? Bringing a high drive to left. This baby's way back. It is out of here. I don't believe what I just saw. Coswell slashes one foul. Oh, that hit a bird, and it bounces back into fair territory. Oh, I got I to gotta check the rule book on this one, folks. I'm too drunk to taste this chicken. Our ass is in the jackpot now. You're listening to Booze and Baseball. There's 50 feet of crap, and then there's us. A baseball first podcast, sort of, featuring Derek Johnson. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Dusty Baker. I heard that. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. So sit back and enjoy the talk around the diamonds with a cold one in hand. Today's secret ingredient is beer! I love scotch. I love scotch. Scotch has got scotch. Here it goes down. Down into my belly. What's up? Welcome into another edition of Booze and Baseball. I'm Derek Johnson with Dusty Baker. On today's show is going to be Braden Suprenant, who uh, is an executive producer of the Padres Radio Network. He's uh, executive producer and co-host of the John Cantera Show on 97.3 The Fan. Dusty has the uh, Dodgers uh, view of things. I kind of have the Giants view. He gives us the Padres. And then I guess we'll just have to round up the scraps for the Diamondbacks and Rockies from there. But uh, as we get episode four underway here, Dusty, how is it going tonight? And uh, what are you drinking? I'm drinking tonight uh, some hard whiskey, man. I, I decided uh, it was kind of a gift from one of my friends this past week. She gave me Texas Crown Club whiskey. So it's a, a Texas brand whiskey, and I've tried it once before, and uh, honestly, it was great last time, and uh, I'm expecting very similar results. It's hard, to, hard for me to dislike a whiskey. So what about you? So I'm uh, similar. I guess we're not going to get any beer cracks today. I, I wonder if I can shake the – the ice and the thing, but I, I'm going with a blended scotch whiskey, uh, Dewar's 12. I think it's like 30 bucks, something like that. Um, if you like blended scotch whiskeys, which I do, it is, it's very good for the price. First of all, cheers to you, Derek. Um, it's going on my, uh, my coaster here, which I know Derek's about to get uh, this next week. Uh, he's getting his Dodgers or his Giants version. I got my Dodgers version. My yeah, hand. I don't want a Dodgers one. <laughs> it's it's pretty cool. Man Cave merch does. Man Cave merch puts baseball cards into a coaster. Uh, I got it right here with me. Derek will have his next week. And so uh, we'll have contrasting coasters, Derek. All right. Oh, by the way, what is your rating on your uh, Texas Crown Club whiskey? Uh, it's. I mean, it, for me, I love any kind of whiskey, but I'll give this a solid eight. I mean, it's not like it's blowing me out of this world. Uh, it kind of reminds me of like an Adam Wainwright at this point where it's just consistent, you know, goes out there. You can expect results. It's not going to blow you away, but heck, it does the job, right? Yeah, I think that is a, uh, a good comparison. I, I don't have an exact like player in mind, but I would view this do as I mentioned, it's, it's not overly expensive. It's $30. Uh, you might not want to spend that much, but it's it's not expensive for a good blended Scotch whiskey. So this is kind of like that player who um, is coming up from the minors. Like Jose Altuve, I think, did this when he first came up. Um, I believe, did Luis Robert just do this where they signed the contract uh, right when they come up or right when they are coming up? And Scott Kingery, too. Scott Kingery okay. kind of in that, that mold, too. I, yeah, where they sign the contract essentially when they rise up, trying to secure some cash. 
uh, with the, you know, not the guarantee of them actually panning out the way that they would. So yeah, I like that actually. Yeah, it's not the highly priced superstar, but it's still good. It hasn't fully prospered to great yet, and uh, it's it's a good price. All right, let's get to our first segment before we get to our conversation with Braden. Cheers and pour one out. I'll go ahead and take the first one, and then I'll give it to you. Big time cheers to Trey Mancini, the uh, first baseman and outfielder for the Baltimore Orioles, missed this past year due to uh, cancer. And uh, according to Joe Trezza of MLB.com, he's progressing well in his cancer recovery, so much so that he's on pace to participate in full activities during spring training. So cheers to Trey Mancini. Man, that is an awesome story, and uh, Trey Mancini is a great guy as well, so excited for him to hopefully get back to the field, and more importantly, his health uh, getting back in the right path, so that's awesome news. How about uh, groundbreaking news, Derek, also? Cheers to Kim Ng. How how about this? First of all, you look at this. uh, First female general manager in MLB history taking over for the Miami Marlins. Uh, You know, and this is obviously a big news. Uh, You look back for a coach on the Giants, speaking of which, uh, listen to Ken here that, you know, she was the first one that kind of broke free into this thing. But um, you're starting to see headway made by females in the MLB. And but more importantly, I I think one thing to point out, you know, this might have been long overdue. She's plugged in 30 years of work into the MLB, has had numerous high quality positions, but hasn't had that top tier general manager position till now. She's the very first female in all of North American sports to have a general manager position. Uh, Cheers. Big time cheers to Kimming. Just cheers to the Mets in general. They haven't really done anything. I guess they got Marcus Stroman on the uh, qualified offer, but Steve Cohen is not just kind of changing the chemistry and the organizational environment there. He came out and said he wants to win a World Series in the next five years. Uh, He says this isn't necessarily about him making a ton of money. He's doing it for the fans. He's doing it to win. So it looks as if they'll be very primed to kind of – Uh, centerpieces of the hot stove with the offseason, whether it is in a trade candidate like Francisco Lindor, Nolan Arenado, or Chris Bryant, or if it is in free agency, we'll just have to kind of wait and see. But it definitely seems like they're going to be active and he's going to do everything in his power to help make this a winning team. And they went to the World Series five years ago. They have pieces that if they can just kind of supplant some of those guys, they could be a really dangerous team in 2020. So cheers to the Mets. How about cheers to the combo of Derek and Michael Lorenzen? First of all, Derek Johnson is not just on this show. He's also the pitching coach for the Cincinnati Reds. Derek, I didn't realize that we had such an exclusive member in this show. I mean, I kind of feel like I'm holding back a little bit here. Yeah, I mean, I uh, felt one-upped when your name was Dusty Baker, so (laughs) I did everything in my power to get a pitching coach into the MLB named Derek Johnson. Well, it's amazing that you guys are partnering and uh, you have the idea, of course, of having a Lorenzen start for this rotation next year. Maybe a great idea by me, honestly. Yeah, I really love that. I guess that means you're assuming that Trevor Bauer won't be re-signing from you. So, uh, you know what? Congratulations, Derek, on you know being so forward-thinking in that process. I, I want to uh, switch up the vibe a little. I'm going to do a pour one out. Pour one out for Gary Sanchez. L. Gary is, by the way, that is a terrible nickname. You just added L. It's just the. What if I just went around like and was like, my nickname is the Derek. But anyway. Lazy nickname I think I've ever ever heard in my life. (laughs) So pour one out for that, for the nickname in general. Uh, But he's now on the trade block, which what once was supposed to be a franchise player 
and he came up and uh, remember when he came up, I, I think it was like June or July and he was just mashing home runs. Like it was insane. The streak he came on right when he came up and then he had a good rookie year. Uh, it's kind of teetered off since that point, you know, over the last couple of years, it hasn't necessarily come to fruition. Like last year, it was the defensive struggles. This past year, he hits 147. He had a, a negative half war, um, 365 slugging, which you'd expect even more from a guy with that kind of power. He is entering his age 28 season. And I think you have uh, a lot of questions now about Gary Sanchez and who knows if he does end up getting traded, maybe that'll be what's best for him. Sometimes a change of scenery can help, but right now I guess pour one out for El Gary. Let's also go to another pour one out here. How about pour one out for Billy Epler? His replacement was named this past week in Perry Manassian out of Atlanta. Epler made moves, but they never really worked, Derek. We will obviously remember this man for the man that, of course, he held Mike Trout back from a title and also only one postseason appearance for Mike Trout so far in his career. He's entering his age 29 season, believe it or not. It always seemed like Mike Trout was going to be young, but those years are starting to go by him a little bit, and uh, you can kind of thank Billy Epler for that. All right, let's cheers uh, all the award winners. Um, Shane Bieber wins AL Cy Young, won it unanimously, I think well-deserved there. And then Trevor Bauer won uh, NL Cy Young. Jose Abreu as well, he wins AL MVP, coming the uh, first White Sox player since Frank Thomas in 1993 and 1994. He's also on a short list of players to ever win Rookie of the Year and MVP. And Freddie Freeman wins National League MVP. That was uh, probably – a very contested one with Mookie Betts. Uh, he had the two Padres players as well. And he becomes the first Brave to do it since Chipper Jones in 1999. So cheers to all those big-time award winners. Yeah, cheers to them. They all very well deserved that. I think Shane Bieber was probably the one in my eyes that pretty much had it in his hands before it even was announced. But all of these contestants, if you want to call them that, they definitely deserved it, rightfully so. Uh, pretty happy to see those names as well. Very very good personalities for baseball, I might add you. And so um, Trevor Bauer specifically adding to his legacy here of uh, that social media brand that we keep talking about, Derek. But uh, how about a cheers and a pour one out? I know we did a couple of those last week. We're going to do that for Mike Clevenger. Pour one out, first of all, because he does have to have Tommy John surgery and he's going to miss all of 2021. But he still is employed even during these COVID-19 days. He signed a two-year deal with the Padres extension, and that'll be $11.5 million that'll pay him, too. And that'll probably be a pretty solid rotation for the Padres when he returns as well, Derek. All right. Well, uh, maybe we talk a little bit about that extension and the injury with him going to be out, how that's going to affect things for the uh, Padres. Again, we'll have our NL West preview on the next show, but – Coming up right now, let's interview our uh, executive producer of the Padres Radio Network, Braden Suprenant. Braden, welcome aboard, my friend. As Derek mentioned, he is the executive producer of Padres Radio Network and also the executive producer and co-host of the John Katera Show on 97.3 The Fan. Braden, we have to ask you the most important question on this show, which is, what, sir, are you drinking at this time? Well, it's funny you ask. I, I, have, a, I have my chilled glass here, and what I'm about to do... I got a peanut butter milk stout from Belching Beaver. Okay. And what I like to do is I like to mix that with a Mother Earth Cali Creamin. Oh. It's pretty delicious. About half and half. Let me see if I can get this pour here on camera. 
Uh, nice. A little California craft beer. I don't know if you've ever had Cali Cream, and it's delicious. It's basically it's uh it's like having a cream soda as a beer it's fantastic so a little half of that then you got the peanut butter uh milk stout it's uh it's a nice uh you know dark beer that i get to enjoy it tastes like a peanut butter reese's peanut butter cup which is great i get a nice little concoction like this uh and uh, it's pretty good it's uh, it tastes like a peanut butter milkshake it's a nice little like uh, dessert beer if you will here late late on the uh west coast Derek and I, we were kind of hinting a little bit earlier, but we do a fantasy baseball league and uh, we're traveling this year for our draft and guess where we're going, Brighton? We're going to San Diego, man. So I expect that we all get that beer with you out there. So I'm kind of hyped for this, man. It looks amazing. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, it's definitely something you got to try and uh, you can't go wrong with craft beer out here in San Diego. Uh, it's, it's really good. Uh, I'm not a big IPA guy, but uh, two of the big Padre beers are IPAs. So I had to like kind of, uh, get the acquired taste. Those are about the only IPAs I would do. The Tony Gwynn 394, which by the way, Tony brewed himself. It's his own deal. It took him like 10, 15 years to do. Wow. Um, you know, he did it right before he, uh, he ended up passing away, but uh, his, his beer legacy lives on. It was really into that type of beer. So when you drink a, a nice 394 from Alesmith, um, not only does the, the Gwynn family get a part of it, but uh, you get a little bit of taste of what Tony liked too, which was good. And then uh, Ballast Point, another San Diego local brewery out here. Uh, they also have a Swing and Fryer Ale, which is uh, pretty good. It's like their, um, you know, kind of version of the 394. But uh, good craft beer out here. I will say this: when I go back to TCU and I visit, I I, uh, I look at the bars and I look at the taps and I go, ah, oh, you know, it's not really anything. I, that, Miller Lite or Bud Light doesn't seem to do it for me anymore. <laughs> I've, I've gone into the craft beer taste. I'm kind of a craft beer snob now. I mean, I there's uh, there's certain <laughs> beers I'll do. Uh, I don't mind a Lone Star every once in a while just to, uh, you know, get the nostalgia of Texas. But, uh, I mean, it's basically like drinking Bud Light anyway. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, they don't have the uh, the fun beers out there that uh, I enjoy out here. But, you know, it is what it is. I know what I'm expecting when I go to games. You go to a Padre game, I mean, you're going to get every craft beer in town, which is fantastic. You go to a Rangers game, uh, their fancy beer they have is Shock Top, just a little bit different <laughs> than uh, <laughs> San Diego. Well, we'll get right into this thing here, Braden, uh, as you sip on that beautiful beer right there. Uh, we're going to start this segment called Poppin' Bottles with the Padres. And so, uh, obviously, the season didn't end the way San Diegans wanted it to. However, it was still an unbelievable year for San Diego. So, what ultimately will stick out to you about this 2020 San Diego Padres team? Uh, a definitely resilient baseball uh, team. They they were a team that you know what they they fought to the end uh, up until every single game. And you know it was the first time I think Padre fans got to see a team where you know when they went down three runs at any point or more that it wasn't over. I mean in years past, even like starting to to cover the team, and then even in years where I was a fan, I mean if they got down like two nothing in the first inning, game was over. I mean, they had no shot at coming back. Uh, but now the offense that they built, the lineup that they have, you saw it with a lot of different games. You saw it against the Cardinals in the wild card series. You saw it um, in a couple games in Colorado. Uh, the fun little shootouts they love to have at Coors Field that are always uh, so much fun to be a part of. Uh, but they're, they're a team that's just never going to quit. Uh, you know, you're within three runs of the ninth inning. You got a shot, which is something that Padres fans are not necessarily used to. So, it's kind of a, this is just the beginning of what could be a really fun Padres organization for the next couple of years. 
but we just saw the Mike Clevenger news with uh, him getting Tom and John being out for 2021. They also give him a two-year extension so they can have him back for 2022 after he goes through his recovery process. Now as we are uh, getting more of a clear picture on what that you know staff and, and some of the lineup could look at uh, with some of the injury news coming out, what do you think the Padres are going to try to do uh, this offseason to get ready for 2021 and try to challenge the Dodgers up top of the NL West? The, the fact of the matter is, even before the Clevenger news today, uh, they needed more starting pitching. As crazy as that sounds, when you had like Clevenger and Lamette, and you got uh, Zach Davies, who was very, very good this year. I mean, they got everything out of Zach Davies even more than probably what they were expecting uh, you got Chris Paddock, who had a very bad sophomore year, but I mean, he has proven that he has been able to to pitch at the big league level. Chris probably needs to develop a third pitch, uh, and then you got the young the young kids. I mean, the, the highly talented and talked about Luis Patino, uh, Mackenzie Gore, uh, you know Adrian Morahone, who they uh, signed an international free agent when they went uh, absolutely crazy and spent a ton of money down uh, international signing period. However they were still probably another arm away from being able to compete with a team like the Los Angeles Dodgers. I mean, with all those great arms that I listed, even, again, even before today, when you find out that Clevenger's going to miss next year, was you didn't know if one Clevenger was going to be back healthy, which is proving that he's not. You still don't know what the status is on Lamette. A.J. Preller did say today that he should be able to start throwing on December 1st. He's back in the Dominican in his home uh, area. Uh, so, I mean, that's still – I mean, the, you're still kind of holding your breath on whether or not Danelle Slamet's going to be able to start the season. Right now, you really need him to start the season on time or you're going to, you know, get behind the eight ball real quick. Uh, Davies, you know what you're going to get out of Davies. He's a nice three or four piece. Chris Paddock, got to be able to work with Chris Paddock. I mean, he got shelled all year this year. Uh, so there are a lot of question marks. They got to go get somebody now. I mean, do they go get a Trevor Bauer? They're going to need starting pitching. They need a little bit more depth. Uh, in terms of their, uh, you know, their lineup, uh, and uh, you got some still got some question marks in the outfield whether or not Will Myers can produce like he did this year, and uh, what's the deal with Tommy Pham and the injuries that he's had. Manny Machado is one of those guys that they went out and got a couple of years ago. All season long, it felt like the Fernando Tatis Jr. show and had a wonderful year. But in the end, it was actually Machado who was the MVP finalist of the three. Now. Uh, he finished third in the voting and Tatis was fourth. So it wasn't like they were far off or anything, but did you think that was the right call for this team to have Manny Machado ahead of Fernando Tatis on the MVP voting? At the end of the day, Machado just basically put together a, a really good season overall, like a complete season. Whereas Tatis, uh, you know, he started off strong. He went through a little bit of a dry spell there in, in late September and, uh, when you got a guy like, and, and this is another thing for the Padres and why Padres fans are really excited. I mean, you got a guy like Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, and when the Padres usually have a player like Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, he carries that entire team. And when he's good, they're good. And when he's bad, they're bad. And the Padres were able to still win games and be very competitive with Tatis batting like 200 or like a buck 58 it was down the stretch. So, uh, you know, he, he went through a, He went through a tough spot and he, the, the way he was able to bounce back is a reason why the Padres are probably going to have to break the bank uh, to keep him around in San Diego for a long time. But as 
as far as the MVP coats, uh, Machado did a lot better throughout the entire year. He put together a more consistent season than Tatis did. So I'm not surprised they finished three, four. And the fact that the Padres got two guys in the top five is, is really encouraging and exciting for Padres fans. Well, kind of shifting gears from uh, a couple San Diego legends to another one. Uh, you work with Coach John Gantara. That is a legend if I've ever heard one. You know, living in L.A., actually, uh, my dad, he listened more to Padres Radio Network than anything related to the Dodgers. So you guys have that on us already. My dad is a big Padres Radio Network fan. And so he listened to Coach John Gantara every day. You work with him. And what, what is it like to work with Coach? Uh, Coach is great. He's fantastic. He's the nicest guy you'll ever meet. Uh, he really cares about sports. I mean, he's really into it. I mean, I thought I was really into sports, and I'm not even close uh, to the to level coaches. I mean, he eats, uh, drinks, sleeps, breathes this stuff, man. I mean, it it doesn't matter what sport it is. He's going to be watching it. Uh, he's really helpful. He, he's really helped and shape my career a lot. He's really given me a lot of opportunity to to be a voice on his show. Um, and, and, and we're two local guys. I mean, he's, he's lived his entire life in San Diego, aside from, you know, when he went and coached at Texas Tech and, uh, you know, when he was, uh, you know, out on the, you know, the, the, the coaching realm. Uh, but, you know, same, same as me. I'm, I'm a fourth generation San Diegan. I mean, I, I, my family's been here for a long time now. Well, that's the other thing, too. He taught me something that, you know, that, that's going to be good, I think, down the road in my career. And just the way that he talks to people and fans makes it like he talks to that person and treats them like they're the like the most important person he was ever going to meet ever in his entire life there's a handful of times like I'm tired I don't want to talk to somebody and you know they wanted to go up and, and introduce themselves to you they listen to you on the radio they think you're a big deal coach will always make the time to talk to that person about anything and act like he's known him for like 25 years it's, it's really cool and you know there's I, I make the joke every time we do a high school game I mean he knows everybody at every school uh, that that's a real good way to, to to build your show though is is get out in the community and talk to people and know what they like and you know know uh, you know treat them like you know they're they're the most important part of your day because at the end of the day they listen to you they watch you they're following I mean they're the reason why you you do what you do and I think coach does a really good job of being able to relate to his audience and he does a really good job of of making them feel special when he talks to them. Kind of reeling things back in uh, with the Padres specifically, uh, what kind of impact are you kind of expecting from some of the young guys like Gore or Patino or any other prospect? And, and I guess how early do you think we could see specifically a guy like Gore with the Clevenger news to where uh, you might have an extra hole to fill in that rotation in 2021? Yeah, Mackenzie Gore is uh, a guy that they have just been super careful with because he is – you know, based on everybody I've talked to, I mean, even, you know, Randy Jones joins us on the pregame show. And he, he was telling me one time he went up to Lake Elsinore uh, two years ago to walk, go watch him pitch. And he was like, this guy's the real deal. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's, it's uh, electric stuff that he's got, you know, gets a lot of comparisons. The guys like, you know, Clayton Kershaw and, you know, the best lefties of the world. And again, with him, I mean, he's young. So uh, I think they're being extra cautious with him. We were expecting to see him this season. Uh, obviously with COVID-19, that's something that changed a little bit. It sounded like, uh, you know, he's probably just not where the Padres want him to be. And, and to be honest with you, you know, the Padres are finally in a situation where they don't need to rush anybody up to the big leagues. They got guys that could go out there and win. They got guys that can eat innings there. They got guys that are going to be able to pitch and give the Padres an opportunity to win where they don't need to rush up a player like Mackenzie Gore. And I say this all the time on the show. 
I mean, you're the Los Angeles Dodgers, and the difference between the Dodgers and the Padres, when the Dodgers call somebody up, he's not going back down. That, that's the final product most likely you're going to see. Granted, they bring up guys every once in a while for rainouts and all that other stuff. But when the Dodgers bring somebody up, he's always an impact player because they don't need to rush him up, and he doesn't need to be the guy. Where in years past, when the Padres, you know, brought somebody up, some young phenom player, he all of a sudden had to be the best player on the team, and they didn't let him adjust to the major league. So with Mackenzie Gore, I think they're going to be a little bit more cautious with him. They can be a little bit more cautious with him. I expect him to be at spring training in the big league camp. I think you'd have to have a really good spring training for them, uh, for him to break camp with the Padres in the major leagues. Uh, with no minor league season this year, I would expect Mackenzie Gore uh, to probably pitch in Double A, get some innings, and then when he's ready to go, they'll probably pull him up from Double A straight to. Uh, uh, the majors, so he doesn't have to play at the band box that is uh, in El Paso for the Padres in AAA. Well, uh, final question for you before we go into the shotgun segment here, Braden. Uh, your just overall expectations for this offseason for the Padres. What, what are those expectations? You can keep them kind of brief. Just in general, what do you want to see for them to do this offseason? Well, the offseason is going to be weird in general just because you don't even know how much money anybody's going to get and you don't know how many how much money people teams have I mean it sounds like the Cubs are going to do a fire sale I don't know how much money the Padres are willing to spend I don't know how much money they have I know they've lost a lot of revenue just like every other team so starting pitching bullpen help always need bullpen help and they just need a couple more bench guys you know if they bring back Jerickson Profar I think they would love to do that but it sounds like the Orioles want to give them a lot of money so lost Rosenthal and Yates to free agency they might bring one or two of those guys back I doubt they bring both back uh, but it sounds like they might be interested in bringing Rosenthal back. And I think when the National League announces a designated hitter, they might give Mitch Moreland a call back. Uh, I, I can't wait to see what happens. And you know Preller's got a trade up his sleeve. I'll be surprised if Blake Snell might uh, find his way in a Padres uniform. Wow. wow. I love that one. Well, all right. None of us really have beverages that uh, go well with shotgunning. In fact, it is quite the opposite, but we're going to do it anyway. Get the key ready. Get the beer ready. Time to shotgun. First up. The biggest signing in the offseason for the Padres will be, and I'll leave it open, offseason signing or trade. Uh, I guess you can just lead it off, Braden. It sounds like Blake Snell would be the good choice. Uh, yeah, I think Blake Snell a little bit more than Trevor Bauer. I think Trevor Bauer's might be out of their price range. Who knows? Uh, I know a guy that plays basketball with A.J. Preller. Uh, take this <laughs> for what it's worth. Uh, it doesn't sound too promising that they're going to bring in Trevor Bauer, but they also said the same thing about Manny Machado and Eric Hosmer. So uh, they ended up being Padres. I, I'm not – the Bauer deal is weird to me because he's linked to every team. He's just kind of trolling everybody, and I don't know where he's going to sign, but uh, I, he seems out of the Padres' price range. I will tell you this. If he signs with the Dodgers, nobody should even play next year. It's a waste of time. <laughs> uh, but probably I, – I, if I had to put money on the line, I'd probably go with, like, a trade for Blake Snell. I mean – Preller's got he, – he usually wheels and deals with the trades more than free agent signings. My shotgun will be Liam Hendricks. I think that if the Padres like solidify the closer role, Liam Hendricks is, I think, the best still out there. Uh, they would love to bring Kirby Yates back maybe, but uh, the health is obviously a concern. Liam Hendricks is my pick. I think he would fit in very well. I'll go with uh, Brad Hand, a uh, return to the Padres. Uh, maybe you can get him for cheap. Let's go with that. I think you guys took the better answers. The NL West 2021 standings, will it be the same? Will it be different? It's going to be the same, except the Diamondbacks are going to be better than the Rockies because the Rockies are in trouble. Uh, they're not very good. Uh, it sounds like they don't have a lot of money to spend. Don't expect the Rockies to make any moves during the offseason uh, based on reports and people that I know that know the Rockies. 
Um, Nolan Arenado's furious with their, his team. I mean, I, that's a mess. They're a mess. Uh, I don't even know how they're going to fix that problem. Uh, the Giants come in third just because the Padres are just a little bit more talented than the Giants. But the Giants give them a run for their money because they got money. Uh, so they could, you know, they can make some deals here and all of a sudden be in contention. Nobody's touching the Dodgers until they get more pitching. I mean, unless, unless the Dodgers decide to just not re-sign anybody and let a lot of people go, which I don't envision them doing, they're the team to beat always in the National League West. Yeah, I, I would steal that same answer, to be honest. I think the Rockies are going to trade one of their big three. And by big three, I mean Arenado, Story, or Blackman. And I assume by this, uh, honestly, it would make a lot of sense to trade Story. Get as much as you can for his value right now. And uh, the moment that they do that, that team is sinking to last place. So I agree it'll go Dodgers, Padres, Giants. Then you'll have the Diamondbacks, who aren't that great either. Uh, and then the Rockies in last place, especially if that move happens. Okay, uh, this is going to be a collaborative effort. We're going to compare all the teams in the NL West to drinks. Dusty, do you have one for the Dodgers? Braden, do you have one for the Padres? I'll try to come up with one for the Giants. Yeah, well, the Dodgers, I can actually, for the first time in my life, say that they're champions, and so I got to have the best drink that's out there, which is a Guinness. So there's nothing (laughs) better than a Guinness. Uh, I will forever sit here and say that that is the greatest drink of all time. The Dodgers are the best of all time in 2020. Guinness, that is the Dodgers right there. That was a horrible comparison. I hope you know that. <laughs> that was. I was expecting champagne. All right. Is it uh, my turn with the Padres? I'm going to go with the – I'd seem like a, a very basic answer, but uh, you go with any craft beer, it's, it's perfect for the Padres. I'm going to go with the 394 just in honor of Tony. Uh, but, you know, they're, they're young. They're trendy. You know, it's kind of uh, the hip thing, the new cool thing out here on the West Coast, a craft beer. That's what the Padres are. They're young. They're trendy. They're up and coming. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go with the uh, Ale Smith 394. I'm just going to say a nice IPA for the Giants. They were really in five, ten years ago, right? And now it's starting to transition more to the craft beers, like Braden said. And now you go to a Giants game and you got to spend $20 to get an IPA. It's overpriced right now. You're waiting to move off of some of these contracts. So uh, that'll be the Giants one. Do you guys have any idea what we'd give the Rockies or the Diamondbacks? Coors Light Um, for the Rockies. That's easy. That makes too much sense. (laughs) It makes way. It's cheap beer basically watered down i mean that's the perfect <laughs> their name it's Coors Field for a reason by the way the best Coors Light I've ever had in my entire life was actually at Coors Field I, I don't know what they have there maybe it's fresh but that being said that's that's what I got for the Rockies all right last team is the Diamondbacks I, I've got one it's not a specific drink per se it's just it, you go out on the town you go to a couple bars And then you look at your balance the next morning and you realize, oh, no, I spent too much. I went out and traded prospects for Starling Marte. I went out and spent too much money on Madison Bumgarner. What am I going to do? I'm just going to have to eat Lunchables and ramen for the next week or two. Um, And, you know, you had a pretty good time for a little bit. But overall, the night, looking back on it, it's a little hazy. But it was kind of a disaster, and you spend too much money. That team is somewhat in shambles, man. And considering they traded Starling Marte, it wasn't the most unfavorable contract either. Uh, You know, they've got Madison Bumgarner locked in for another four years, 20 mil a year. I mean, at that time, it looked like it was a favorable deal when they signed him. And all of a sudden, you know, his age kind of showed. Granted, you can't count out Madison Bumgarner. I feel like if anybody's going to make a quick turnaround, it'll be bum. Dusty wants me to ask this one. So I have no idea what I would answer for this. If you had to compare Manny Machado from the Padres, Johnny Cueto from the Giants, Bruce Dar from the Dodgers, 
to TV characters, what would you say? Dusty, I'll let you go first because it seems like you have a good idea where you want to go with this. You know, Manny Machado is kind of that guy. He knows he's great. Okay, He knows he's – I mean, he was an MVP candidate for a reason. He had a great season. But he could definitely get on people's nerves. And, uh, you know, he's definitely very into himself. So I would say he's Schmidt from New Girl. Just very – you know, when, when you look at Schmidt – Schmidt is so focused on himself, and they've got the, the D-bag jar as well. Uh, I could just picture Manny Machado in his own home walking by every single day, dropping money into the jar because of something he said or did. And so he just, to me, seems like a Schmidt. Um, you have Johnny Cueto. Johnny Cueto is eccentric on the hill. Um, honestly, he's one of my favorite players in all of baseball. I think he's very underrated. And so when you look at The Office, Daryl Philbin might be the most underrated character on that show. He just had sneaky comments. He was, he's sneaky, right? And that's how Johnny Cueto is. He, he's quietly a decent pitcher. Um, Daryl Philbin just kind of coming out of the corner. Uh, he makes his subtle appearances. And when he does, he's always quality uh, on The Office. And then finally, Gratterall. Uh, you know, you got to love him, but at the same time, he's definitely a loose cannon. And so my best comparison would be Abed from Community. Because you just don't know what you're going to get from Abed, and you don't know what you're going to get from Gratterall. I mean, uh, we're talking to a Padres fan uh, and somebody that works with the Padres here, and he firsthand saw what Gratterall did by throwing his glove and blowing kisses to the other side of the field. And so I just feel like Abed would be that kind of guy that just would do that aimlessly without having any sort of regrets whatsoever. Brewster Gratterall is definitely like uh... – numero uno guy that of Padre fans that they hate probably the most right now just because he's like I mean he he, he really the, the biggest thing I say about Bruce R. Gratterall is like the guy gets bailed out from Cody Bellinger I mean he basically almost blows the game for the Dodgers I mean he gives up a fat pitch to Tatis Tatis totally pimps it to center field and if Cody Bellinger doesn't make one of the best catches of the postseason Bruce R. Gratterall goes from the goat to the goat. I mean, it's just like – and he acts like he just did something something extremely awesome. Like, oh, yeah, I did that. No, you didn't. You didn't force him to roll over on a pitch. You didn't strike him out. You gave up a 410-foot bomb that Cody Bellinger was able to snag at 409 feet. I mean, that was kind of ridiculous. And he did the same thing the entire postseason – the rest of the way, he acted like every outing he had, he won the World Series. And then when they won the World Series, he was like, eh, I, I don't get him. He just, he just doesn't make any sense to me. The thing with Manny Machado, I don't know if I could pick a, like a character off the top of my head, but I, I will tell you this. He's a guy that loves playing the game. Um, and he's just, I think he's a little misunderstood. He can rub people the wrong way. I mean, he hasn't – I haven't had necessarily the – I haven't had the worst encounters with Manny Machado. I haven't had the best encounters, but, like – He's great to kids. He's great to fans. Um, yes, he he's just really not that great to media guys, but I just don't think he really wants to talk to anybody in the media. And I don't really hold that against them. You got to know what he is. I mean, he's just a baseball player. That's, that's the biggest thing on him. I haven't met Gratterall yet, and I haven't met Johnny Cueto. Johnny Cueto seems pretty chill, though. My only issue with the Johnny Cueto one is, like, I don't even think he needs a TV comparison. He basically is a TV character living in his own yeah. TV reality show. I mean, he owns horses. Uh, did you see that one Instagram post from a year ago when his, like, horse died and he, like, sent a picture of it? That was kind of weird. He's just, like, so unique. <laughs> He's so unique on the mound with all his little shimmies and stuff. Like, he is just a reality TV character. I would not be surprised if – you were scrolling through the channels one day in five years and you saw 
because uh, whenever he pitches, the Giants tweet out Dia de Cueto, if that's like the name of his reality TV show. All right, uh, when one visits San Diego, Braden, where do they have to go or else they messed up the entire trip? You know, my favorite place in San Diego is Coronado. I love Coronado. I think going to the Dell would be arguably a great move for anybody, uh, especially if they go on a trip with uh, one of their significant other friends. Uh, Coronado would be a great place to go. That's, that's ultimately, if you want to get the full sense of San Diego, I'd, I'd say you go to Coronado because it's kind of like, uh, to me, it's the best, the best place to be. You get to see downtown. I mean, it's, it's right there in the center. You see Point Loma on one side, the island kind of life that they, they live over there. You can walk everywhere on the island. Yeah, I, I love the gas lamp area. I think that just that whole region, it's, it's super popping, especially when there are Padres games. And I don't live there. Obviously, Braden does live there. But I've had my handful of times going down to San Diego, uh, especially for Chargers games. And so uh, the gas lamp region was always a spot that we had to hit up every single time because it, it just got so much life to it. And, uh, you know, I'm a big people watcher. And so just on top of that, you know, like that's, that's one of the best people watching places that I think you could go that's not a beach in San Diego and so um yeah I absolutely love the gas lamp area gas lamp's good the gas lamp's actually cooler now with COVID really? than it was because they shut all the streets down I mean it's like you know what's it sixth street in Austin that little Italy is is uh fantastic right now I mean I'm a little biased as a little Italy my my uh as a fourth generation uh Sicilian American out here in uh, San Diego uh my family actually grew up in little Italy, at least the, my grandparents did, or some of them. But again, it depends how old you are too. Like anybody under the age of 25, the gas lamp's not going to do it for you. It's going to be way too much money right. and uh, right. everybody's in their 30s and 40s and stuff. PB would probably be the place to be uh, if you're anybody our age and younger. Although I, I feel like at 25, I'm too old for PB now. PB is like, you know, college kids central and, uh-huh. uh, and kids just a little bit under the age of college age that uh, were able to sneak into a bar. I mean, once you get to the age of 25, 26, I mean, you're, you're like the old guy out in PB. It's time to graduate to a different part of town. Like, uh, I mean, I'm really into ocean beach. That's the kind of my vibe, but that in <laughs> North park is kind of like the deal. And like, then you slowly start elevating your way up to the gas lamp when you make like money that's above the poverty line. When you've made it, it's the gas lamp. Yeah, when you make it to the gas lamp, you're, you're, you're sitting pretty in life. You're in a good spot. You can go to the gas lamp and have a good time. But, uh, yeah, PB is definitely – anybody under the age of us, uh, PB is the, uh, the spot to be. Derek actually has family that's from San Diego. Derek, where, uh, where would you recommend? Uh, it kind of depends what you want to do. I kind of like a lot of the, the surrounding cities in San Diego. Like, I like Oceanside a lot. Um, Carlsbad, I love Carlsbad. Seaport Village, I think, is uh, is a solid place that I like to go uh, down in San Diego. They got this good little cigar shop, and they got good places. And then I like going over toward uh, – I'm trying to remember the name of it. There's, like, this Hawaiian restaurant that's, like, on the water over Dukes? by these hotel. No, it's not Duke's. Oh, they're known for called? their Mai Tais. They won't give you more than two. Yeah, it's crazy. Because they're super strong. Yeah. <laughs> like, I got to look this up. Legally yeah, sell you more than two. Oh, is it Benihana? No, it's – what is no. it called? Valley High. Valley High. There you go. Valley yeah. High. Yeah, I, I think those are all good options. But, I mean, I feel like the best thing to do in San Diego is just anything outside because it's it's always yes. great weather. You can go golfing. You can go walk around somewhere. You can go to the beach. Like, just anything outside, you're going to feel like you won the day. Hiking Torrey Pines is great. I mean, going to the Cabrillo Monument at Point Loma is cool. I mean, Coronado, like you said. Uh, Seaport Village is great. Shelter Island's fantastic. Anything around that area. 
Um, but uh, you're going with all the North County options. I like that. Del Mar and Carlsbad and Oceanside. They're all like kind of up and coming places. Encinitas is really nice now. All right. Uh, what is the best beach in the uh, Southern California? The best beach like environment and my favorite place, my favorite place on the entire planet Earth is San Clemente. That's the best, hands down the best place. It is the perfect like beach vibe place. It's beautiful. Beach community. Uh, they got the pier with the restaurant on it. Um, the fish, fishermen's, they got the bar and the restaurant. You can sit above the water. They got the train. The coaster goes right through it. Um, uh, so the whole beach vibe of San Clemente is arguably the best. Now their actual beach part kind of sucks because it's mostly rocks. It's not even like sand. It's like mostly rocks. It's gotten a lot better. Um, San Clemente uh, is probably the coolest place I've ever been. So as far as like the actual like sand, no, it sucks. But as far as the whole beach vibe, it's got to be San Clemente. If we're talking about like the sand and stuff, uh, I like Del Mar too, but uh, San Clemente is my favorite beach in Southern California. I'd go to go with uh, Carpinteria, California. Carpinteria is the most unknown beach. And uh, unfortunately, I probably just gave out a hiding spot. Um, it's just a little bit north of Ventura. Uh, not a lot of people go there, but they've got a great burger place, literally called The Spot. Very creative name, as you could tell. But Carpinteria is just absolutely gorgeous. And I think I like the fact that there's not a lot of people there. Um, clear waters, great waves, uh, and ultimately just a nice atmosphere as well. And uh, I think there's a lot of childhood memories attached to that. I could give like some of the, you know, the touristy places or the places that everybody knows, whether it's like La Jolla or Zuma or Malibu or whatever. But I actually agree. Like, I love Carpinteria's Beach. I love the whole, it's not like secluded. It's not like a private place, but there isn't as much of the, the amount of people. And you have like the little floating docks that they put out a couple hundred yards away Those from shore awesome. that you can swim out to. They have like the, the houses that you can rent and the hotels right there. You have, like you said, the walking distance to the spot. And then if you walk a little further down, you can go to like some shops and stuff. I'll go with you on that one. All right. Well, we got our beaches down. We got our Padres baseball talk down as well. And uh, more importantly, Braden, we're just very thankful to have had you on Booze and Baseball. Obviously, this is a relatively new podcast. We're still kind of getting our feet wet, uh, just like we're going to the ocean here. And uh, want to have you come on again and drink with us anytime, my friend. It's a pleasure to have you. And uh, thank you again. Cheers to you for joining us on Booze and Baseball. Cheers. Thanks, guys. All right, some quick news to go over before I let you go here on uh, Booze and Baseball. Braves signed two pitchers. One was a re-sign, Josh Tomlin. Uh, really struggled as a starter. They had to move him over because of the starter injuries. 6-3 ERA as a starter, but as a reliever, he had a 2.95 ERA, and I think that's what he'll uh, slot into for the Braves these next couple years. They also added to their staff Drew Smiley, one-year $11 million deal. We'll get into our NL West preview on next week's show of booze and baseball and we'll talk a little bit more about drew smiley's uh, great renaissance type of season for the giants but he was really good and uh you only get him for a one-year deal maybe a bit of an overpay but robbie ray got one year uh nine million dollars for the blue jays and i think drew smiley was much much better than robbie ray was this past season also tim tebow who's 33 years old hasn't played in a game since july 21st 2019 He'll be at Mets spring training in 2021, so maybe we'll actually uh, get closer to Tim Tebow. We mentioned the Mike Clevenger news earlier. So don't forget to subscribe to us and give us a five-star review. We're on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and Amazon Audible. You can also follow us on social media. We're at Booze and Baseball. That's at Booze and 
baseball. And you can reach out to our email as well, boozeandbaseball at gmail.com if you want to ask any questions, maybe suggest some alcohol for you to review. But uh, that's going to do it for the show today. Thanks to Mix Kit for the stock music. We'll have our NOS preview on next week's show. Drink responsibly and have a good one. For Dusty Baker, I'm Derek Johnson. Bye.